0: Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfitter. I'm a Jewish life consultant, aka Rabbi. One of Rabbi Nachman's best known and some would say most essential core teachings is that one never gives up, there is always the possibility of tikkun, of fixing, of teshuvah, of return and repentance, of making good. There is always the possibility of turning one's life around, of starting now to make good choices, even if the last 20 choices that a person made were harmful, were detrimental, were away were off track, even if a person had become entirely consumed by chokhmot, by chokmas, by wisdoms that distracted, wisdom that caught a person in a web of illusions and distortions. Even if that were to happen, a person could always return. A person could always make good and this essential teaching pervades the breslov mindset and breslov literature and it manifests as a mandate to not give up on each other to never imagine that a person cannot do chuva that a person cannot make tikkun cannot rectify what it is that they have damaged. And it is this sentiment that drives what many consider to be one of the core lessons of Likute Maharan of Rami Nachman's magnum opus, which is often called Azamra, which requires a person to seek and find in other people a good point, even if a person is a Russia, even if a person is a wicked person. We... Everyone else is required to seek and to find in that person good points and in so doing to help that person relocate the right path. And in addition to applying to other people, this applies to oneself as well. We are never to give up on ourselves. We are required to continue to seek and to find good points in ourselves and in so doing to guide ourselves back towards the right path. So, it is not surprising that in the midst of this story, in which the king and, by extension, his kingdom, has become lost, that he at least intermittently comes back. So, Rabbi Nachman tells us, ben the son of the king, mechamatcha hayabo tov." Since he had good in him. Kinoladim tov, for he was born with good in him. vaulo and he had good character traits via sharot proper. Hayani's karli famim hechan he occasionally remembered where he was in the world. Uma hu ose. And what it is that he is doing? He would groan and moan alze about this, the that he had fallen into such confusions. Vinit and he had erred so dramatically, so substantially. Vayamita He would very much moan and sigh. But as soon as he would once again begin to use his seichel, his mind, his intelligence, again, this heresy, these chachmas, would take hold of him. And so it was several times. Back and forth. Shani's Karkanal that he would remember as above, as we mentioned, if I go near he would groan and moan. And then as soon as he would start to use his mind again, once again, this heresy would grip him. There's just so much to learn from in this tiny paragraph. Let me Surface some of them out of order. First of all, the fact that he goes through this several times, this is something that Rabbi Nachman acknowledges in many of his writings. Just how tempting it would be to say, Ah, I tried to do tshuva one time. I really was genuinely regretful of what I had done and what I had become, and I sincerely tried to turn my life around, but look, it didn't work. Here I am again in the same place that I tried to leave behind. And Rabbi Nachman says, yes, that certainly does happen. It is not surprising that Tshuva doesn't seem to work. It doesn't seem to have accomplished the goal Of changing me forever. But even then. The same principle. Kicks in. We don't give up. Yes. You tried. Yes. You failed. God forbid an alcoholic. If they fell back into drinking. God forbid they would say. I guess I can't do it. I guess it's just too powerful. Of course. This happens. It's built in. It's understood. I wouldn't say it's expected. But. It's certainly anticipated that a person would fall away again and have to get back again. That a person would become lost and would have to again recognize that they've become lost and try to make their way back. And then they would become lost again. And then they would remember. But look how strong the anchor is in him. He keeps coming back. He keeps remembering, thank God, who he is, what he's done, and where he needs to be. So notice what it is that brings him back. He has good in him, and he was born in good, and he had had good midot. He had good character. Literally, he had good traits. For anyone who has studied Musar, we know that Midot, character traits, are called Midot because Midot are measurable. This is something that a person can measure in themselves. How patient am I? How many seconds does it take me before I overreact? And it is something within which a person can measure their progress. They can say... I used to get angry in one second, and today it took me 10 seconds to get angry. Therefore, I have grown in this meta. Yesterday, I got angry to 10 decibels, and today I got angry to 8 decibels. I have grown in this trait. And this king, the son of the king, has... Good midot, such that they anchor him away from the lostness into which he falls. In fact, Rabbi Nachman stretches this dichotomy into something of a wobbly imbalance, where on one hand he has good midot, on the other hand, he has his mind which is tainted. And though his midot are not enough it seems to end the struggle to end the vacillation they're enough to keep him anchored at least partially in a world of good he's a good man he's a good person he's kind even if as a philosopher and as a thinker his philosophy takes him into dangerous places It doesn't spill over into making him a bad person. It doesn't spill over into making him into a jerk. And that can happen. That a person's philosophy, that a person's thinking about the world could lead them to no longer care about other people. In fact, in Rabbi Nachman's story of the wise guy and the simpleton, the wise guy becomes so wise that everyone else in the world becomes, in his eyes, as naught. They become nothing. They don't matter. He's inherently better than them and his time would be wasted thinking about them. But in our story, the son of the king's Midot are strong, strong enough to keep pulling him back. Unfortunately, it's difficult not to use one's mind So as soon as he switches out of heart mode and back into mind mode, he once again immediately falls. So what is a person to do? If you realized that your midot were good, but your mind was tainted to the point where it could not even be used, could you shut off your mind entirely? Would that be wise? There are tales and stories of such things. For example, Rabbi Yochanan, when he asked if he could follow Elijah the prophet Eliyahu Anavi around through his daily tasks, and Eliyahu welcomed him along on the condition that Rabbi Yochanan would not ask anything that he saw. He would not question Eliyahu Anavi. Lo and behold, Elijah went through a series of shocking behaviors and acts such as killing the cow of a poor family that had welcomed him into their home to the point where finally Rabbi Yochanan said, I just have to ask, why'd you do that? And Eliyahu said, okay, I'll tell you, but it's over now. You can't accompany me anymore. And he told him about how it was ordained that the wife of the poor man would die. And Eliyahu Anavi had arranged it that instead of the wife dying, God forbid, that the cow died. But there are moments when a person would be required to shut off their mind. To stop thinking. Can that be sustained? Can that be bracketed in such a way that a person can use their mind with the caveat that they know that their mind is tainted? There, we are led into another story of Rabbi Nachman, the story of the tainted grain, in which the king's minister tells him that the grain is tainted and that everyone who eats the grain will become insane. And the minister tells the king that he can set aside grain for the two of them such that they won't become insane. But the king instead says, let's eat the grain along with our people. But we'll put a mark on our heads that reminds us that we've eaten the grain and reminds us that we're insane but our king the king in our story is unable to make that move he's unable to imagine or to implement a strategy that will allow him to use his mind but not be led astray by it and thus he's catapulted into a seemingly never-ending cycle of losing himself and then remembering, and losing himself and then remembering. Is it possible that Rabbi Nachman is warning us that we must enter into a time when we must stop using our minds and only use our midot and only cultivate good midot and good character and good relationships? That we could stop being so smart and simply be good people for a while? I don't know. Maybe we should try it and see what happens.